Good morning. Uh, a buddy of mine just graduated from uh, K-State University, and he was like, you know, I was like, man, tell me an epic college story. And so he's like, man, the greatest thing that happens in college is road tripping for an away football game. He's like, that was, that was the highlight of going to K-State. And, and so I'm like, okay, keep going, keep going. He's like, man, I remember a buddy of mine texted me and said, be out in 10. And he knew that meant, man, in 10 minutes, we're going to drive 10 hours from Manhattan, Kansas to Dallas, Texas to go to this away K-State football game. And, and, and so he gets to Dallas, Texas, and his friend pops the trunk and he throws out purple wall paint. And, and my friend's like, what are you doing? He's like, suit up. He's like, man, we put on kilts and per, paint our entire body purple. We knew that we could die of skin poisoning, but it was worth it. And, and so, so literally, he said, man, third quarter, something happens. Third quarter, we're down by 31 points. I'm dressed in purple. There's nothing I can do about it. I'm banging the bleachers. I'm yelling at the refs. And he goes, man, you know what I realized? He said, I realized that the, the football team is in desperate need of rest and I'm in desperate need of exercise. But there's nothing I can do because I'm painted in purple wearing a kilt. And he said, Todd, do you know what we painted on our chest that day? I'm like, no. Hi, mom. He's like, the six of us painted one word across our chest. Family. Because at K-State, you're not a student, you're a part of the family. The stadium at K-State University is called Family Stadium. And, and when he was telling me that story, I was like, Andrew, I think you literally just summarized American Christianity. Within that story you just told, you found a way to share the, 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 the oikos, the centerpiece of American Christianity. Where you have thousands, hundreds of thousands of Christians in the family, but they're not in the game. They're a part of the family, but they're, they're, they're just watching. They're away from, they're, they're just cheering and kind of giving golf claps to, the, to, the, in, to, the, to the, the person going to India or whatever. And so this morning, we just want to talk about what it means to be in the family and in the game. What is this whole idea of the mission of God and the task remaining? What's going on over there? Where are the sections of the planet that don't have the gospel? And let's just look at those. And we're going we're gonna to just start with the passage of Revelation 5.9 because this is the conclusion of Scripture. Where they sang a new song, You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, Jesus, you purchased men for God from every tribe, language, people, and nation. Now, this is a very important passage because what you see in it is the very reason we do missions. God is interested in there being a representative, a believer from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation worshiping him at the throne. Now, unfortunately, that's not what the world looks like. And, and actually, when you think about this whole idea of missions and going and making disciples, it comes from this Greek word called ethnos, nations. Ethne is nation, ethnos is nations. Now, in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, when Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations, we're like, oh, a nation, okay. I know what that is, you know. If somebody came up to you at Starbucks and they're like, hey man, I'm taking night classes at JBU and I got this question, what's a nation? How would you say, it? Well, what's a nation? And you're like, uh, hang on. All right, a nation is uh, somewhere that has a clearly marked border. They have a president, prime minister, a dictator. They have currency. They have a military. There's about 214 of them. 
And the student's like, thank you so much. And you're like, hey, I'm kind of proud of myself. <laughs> you know, I can't believe I just said that. You know, when we think of the word nation, that's what we think of. But in 33 AD, when Jesus gave this great commission, that's not what the word nation meant. Literally, the, na- the word nation means a people group, a people group. What's the difference between defining something from a nation standpoint versus a people group standpoint? This is Nigeria, all right? Now, let's say, because I love you, we fly you over Nigeria, and we kick you out in the plane, and you parachute down, and you land in Nigeria, and we're like, you know, you're going to Nigeria, and you land right here, and you're just pumped, all right? You're pretty pumped. You land right there, and everybody you share the gospel with comes to Christ, and everybody they share the gospel with comes to Christ. Everybody they share the gospel comes to Christ. You're like, man, this is going to be great in the Grace Point newsletters. I'm going to love it. You know, wow, this is awesome. How long until the entire country of Nigeria comes to Christ? Three days, three weeks, three years, and the answer is never. Even at that pace, Nigeria will never come to Christ. Well, how is that even possible? Because this is is not what Nigeria looks like. This is the country of Nigeria, but Nigeria is made up of 455 languages, 455 people groups. And so you land here among the... Yoruba people, and it's 86% Christian in the Yoruba peoples. But one, one over here is the Ibu peoples, and it's 75% Christian. And north, the largest people group is the houses up north, 99.9% Muslim. 99.9% Muslim. So let me give you a, a, a story. Let's say you're a Navy SEAL, and... Your commanding officer summons you to duty. And he says, today something has happened that's never happened before. Five cruise ships are simultaneously sinking. The first cruise ship is five miles out. The second is 10, 15, 20, and 25. And the commanding officer says to you, go save the people. Well, now you load up in the helicopter and you have a choice to make. But it's an easy choice. You're going to go to the first cruise ship because that's the closest. There's thousands on board each cruise ship, but you're going to go to the first cruise ship. Load up the people and come back. Then you're going to go back to the first cruise ship, load up the people and come back. Then you're going to go back to the first cruise ship, load up the people and then come back. Maybe go to the second cruise ship, load up the people and come back. But then you're going to go back to the first cruise ship. You cannot waste valuable time, energy and resources going to the third, fourth and fifth cruise ship. Sorry. But now let's change the statement of the commanding officer. The commanding officer summons you and says, today something has happened that's never happened before in history. Five cruise ships are simultaneously sinking, 5, 10, 15, 20, 25 miles off the shore. And he looks at you and he says this. At the end of the day, I want there to be a representative on this shore looking in the media of every cruise ship. I want there to be a representative of every cruise ship to tell their story to the news. That little tweak in the commanding officer's command changes the whole strategy. Now you go to the fifth cruise ship first, then the fourth, then the third. And no cruise ship will be visited twice before every cruise ship is visited at least once and so what happens though in american christianity is we do a great job reaching the first and second cruise ship no church on the planet spends as much resources and manpower reaching the first and second cruise ship we do an okay job reaching the third cruise ship we do a horrible job of reaching the fourth and we don't even know there's a fifth and so when you look at these people groups the question is not to where are you going you know, it's very common for us to, someone's like, I'm going on a mission trip. And we're like, no way, where? Africa. I love that country. You know, where in Africa? I'm going to, to, to I don't know, I think it's Ghana. 
really get your shots, you know, take a lot of selfies and, and, and get the water purifier. And you, Kathy's going to Ghana. Kathy's going to Ghana. And we're just like, and we're just so pumped that Kathy's going to Ghana. Kathy, what are you going to do when you get to Ghana? I don't know, but we're going, there's 10 of us, you know, and it's like, oh, okay, well, have fun in Ghana, you know, and we got, the church just came in. I'm really excited. We, you know, it's got the Ghana symbol. And, and so she goes off to Ghana. Now, the problem is, Kathy doesn't know where she's going in Ghana. She, she doesn't know to whom she's going. And so Kathy could land up in any one of the five different cruise ships. She could go into the, the city she's working in. She could be like, man, there's more churches here than in Bentonville. You know, it's like, wait a minute. How did I wind up here? Because the thing is, we have to say, the question is not to where are you going, but to whom. I don't care if Kathy's going to Pakistan, let's say. I want to know to whom she's going to. Is she going to the Norristoni people group? Is she going to the Uyghur people group? Is she going to the Pushton people group? Because that will tell me literally what cruise ship she's on. Now, when you look at the planet, you have to ask the question, how many people groups are there? Well, there's 16,465 people groups. Okay, again, 455 people groups in Nigeria, 1,100 people groups in India. I mean, it, it, it's just crazy. But you have 16,465 people groups making up 6.7 billion people. All right? Now, if you were to write a one-sentence summary of the last 100 years of how the American church has done missions, here it is. If you wanted a one-sentence summary of the last 100 years of how the American church has done missions, here it is. We've done a great job sending Christians to help Christians become better Christians. We've done a great job sending Christians to help Christians become better Christians. Reaching that first and second cruise ship. We've done a horrible job reaching the fourth and fifth cruise ship. And so those who study missions have said, man, how can we stop just sending Christians to help Christians become better Christians? What can we do? Well, let's create a term. Well, what's the term? Let's call it unreached people. Okay, how do you define an unreached people group? Well, we went to sociologists and we asked the question, hey, what's the minimum percentage that a, a, a community has to have before a movement can take place? And sociologists said, oh, the minimum level that you need for, for a movement to take place is 2%. And so mission strategists said, okay, an unreached people group is any people group with less than 2% Christian. And so that's called, we're going to call that the unreached people groups. Well, how many people groups on the planet with less than 2%? 6,759, making up 2.7 billion people. But that's just the fourth cruise ship. To get on the fifth cruise ship, you have to have one statistic across every category. For your people group to be in, on the fifth cruise ship, you have to have one statistic across the board. You have to have 0% Christians in your entire people group, 0% churches in your entire people group, 0% missionaries in your entire people group, 0% Bible translation in your entire people group, therefore 0% hope. And we call that the unengaged. That's the we don't even know you're out there, we don't even care. 
Like, hey guys, can I jump in? And they're like, yeah, you believe in one God too. And so the Jews and Christians would protect him from his own people, the Heshemites. And then finally Muhammad realized, man, I got to feed and clothe my followers. I don't, I don't know how to do that. I don't have a, I don't, I don't know how to feed and clothe them. But I do know the caravan routes and I know the strategic spots that, that the bands of thieves and robbers would pick to, to, to jump out at you and rob your caravan. He took the men and they took their swords and, and they went and they stood in those places. And when caravans would come by, they would give them three options. Pay a tax for protection, convert to Islam or fight. And after 10 years with 8,000 followers, Muhammad went back down to Mecca and was crowned prophet and king. United all 365 tribes under one flag, Islam. A man named Michael Hart wrote a book. The book was called this. The 100 Most Influential People Who's Ever Lived. The 100, in order, the most influential people who's ever lived. Number one, went to Muhammad. Number two, went to Jesus. Number three, went to the Apostle Paul. So, you know, as a Christian, I'm like, man, my God runs faster than your God. Like, why didn't I get, why, why didn't we get first? You know, we should have gotten first. Like, my, what, what's up? You know? And Michael Hart said, Jesus was only concerned about the spiritual world. He even said himself, hey, this is not, you know, Caesar, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. I don't care about that. Muhammad cared about the spiritual and physical. Muhammad pushed forward his armies and his beliefs. And today, two out of every seven people on the planet breathing would die for that man, Muhammad. I was in a mosque in Los Angeles not too long ago, and I was talking to the imam or the priest of the mosque, and he's like, I want to show you this map. And I was like, yeah. He's like, this map is color-coded. We are begging Allah. We are begging Allah to make the whole world uh, green. And we're sending, we're sending our Muslim youth to the pink and red. It's all in Arabic, color-coded. Around the map is the major mosques of the world getting behind it. And, and they're interested in the green, the Muslim world, going to the pink and red. And so the Muslim world is very excited that we as Christians just send Christians to help Christians become better Christians. T is for tribes, H is for Hindus, U, turn it on its side, for Chinese, M is for Muslims, and B is for Buddhists. Now, if you'd have said to me, Todd, how did Buddhism, like who founded Buddhism? I'd have been like, I got this. Overweight guy, named Buddha, said Indian style, little too long, passed out, came to, started teaching. <laughs> right? You're like, that's brilliant. Fear not, little flock, there's more to come, right? <laughs> but I, I had no idea that the founder of Buddhism was a devout Hindu. The founder of Buddhism was a devout Hindu by the name of Siddhartha Gautama. And Siddhartha Gautama becomes disillusioned with Hinduism because he says Hinduism will never cure suffering. And so he leaves his wife and his child from Lumbini, Nepal, where he lives, and he travels south to India... And he, and he says to himself, I am away, I'm doing away from in, uh, Hinduism. There's no more of me in Hinduism. He says, man, how do you cure suffering? He saw the sick man, the dying man, the old man. He says, life is suffering. How can you cure suffering? And he decides he's going to sit under a tree. Siddhartha Gautama sits under a tree. And he says, I'm not getting up until I find the cure of suffering. He lives on a grain of rice a day. And after 49 days, does what's probably obvious, he passes out. And when he passes out, he sees a light. And on the light, 
are the four noble truths. He's 36 at this point. Noble truth number one is all life is suffering. All life is suffering. Noble truth number two is the reason you suffer, it's because you desire. You desire your neighbor's wife, you take her, your whole family and their whole family is cratered. You desire your, your friend's property, you take it. All life is suffering, but noble truth number two is all suffering is caused by our desire. Noble truth number three is eradicate your desire and you will no longer suffer. And noble truth number four is, well, let me show you a path to how to do that, the eightfold path. When he came to, in India, they began shouting, enlightened one, enlightened one, enlightened one. Now, in English, when you say enlightened one, it's enlightened one. However, in the Nepali language, how you say enlightened one is Buddha, Buddha, Buddha. And so he changed his name from Siddhartha Gautama and became known as the Buddha. From 36 to 83, Siddhartha Gautama, or the Buddha, wandered India, teaching people the Four Noble Truths and the Eightfold Path. And at age 83, someone put a bad piece of meat in his beggar's bowl and Siddhartha Gautama died of food poisoning. Today, there's 650 million Buddhists on the planet. 650 million. A missionary went to Laos and he gave a Buddhist monk a copy of the New Testament. And the Buddhist monk was like, thank you very much, you know. And he's like, now you got to read it. And he's like, yes, I will read it. He comes back a couple weeks later and the Buddhist, uh, the Buddhist monk is like, Jesus is the most unique person who's ever born, lived, and died. And, and my, my missionary friend was like, what? What did you say? He's like, I love I loved that book. Jesus is the greatest person who's ever born, lived, and died. And the missionary is like, man, tell me, why, why, why do you say that? He's like, man... In the book of Matthew, he was born. He dies at the end of Matthew. In the book of Mark, he's born again. He dies at the end of Mark. In the book of Luke, he, he's born in Luke. He dies at the end of Luke. In the book of John, he's born in John. He dies. He's four lifetimes. And he entered nirvana. We need people who can not only give them a Bible, but learn their language and encourage them. Mauritania is 99% Muslim. Yemen is 99% Muslim. Maldives, 99% Muslim. Turkey, 96%. Muslim, Thailand, 85% Buddhist. Cambodia, 83% Buddhist. Myanmar, 80% Buddhist. Bhutan, 75% Buddhist. India, 75% Hindu. Nepal, 75% Hindu. We do a great job at sending Christians to help Christians become better Christians. And I think when you come into this church, you kind of go, wait, we're doing something different here. You know, we're, we're talking about like, the unreached and unengaged and people groups. And, and we're, we're, this, is, this is just in the DNA. And this is the reason. Every blue dot you see represents a community of 50,000 Christians. Every blue dot you see represents a community of 50,000 Christians. Every green dot you see represents a community of 50,000 Muslims. Every green dot you see represents a community of 50,000 Muslims. Every orange dot you see represents a community of 50,000 Buddhists. Every orange dot you see represents a community of 50,000 Buddhists. And every yellow dot you see, every yellow dot you see represents a community of 50,000 Hindus. Every yellow dot you see represents 50,000 Hindus. We don't need the term 1040 window to see it. You can see it. 
And so my wife and I live in, in Fayetteville. And, uh, you know, we, we picked a church that was, I remember calculating on the odometer, it was 5.2 miles away. So it's far. But we chose it. And, uh, and uh, so we, we were driving there. And, and I was talking to my wife recently. I was like, babeskis, you know, we, this, we're 5.2 miles away, right? I was like, why don't we go, we, you know, we, 0.4 miles we passed a church. I'm like, why don't we go to this church? You know, what's wrong? We could sleep in 10 more minutes. You know, what's wrong with this church? And she's like, oh, remember, they don't allow coffee in the sanctuary. And I was like, oh, yeah, 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 we can't go there. <laughs> and so then, then, um, uh, you know, we, we, I'm like, 1.3 miles. I'm like, babe, why don't we go to this? A perfectly good church. Why don't we go here? I'll remember we didn't like the preaching. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the 2.4, why don't we go to this church? I'll remember we didn't like the youth ministry. Oh, and, and something was wrong. And so we chose this church 5.2 miles away. And we passed, I'm like, you know, we passed seven churches on our way to church in Fayetteville. And so for one year, my wife and I put on backpacks and we started right here, right there, right there in, in, in Sana, Yemen. And we went from Sana, Yemen over to Muscat, Oman, into Abu Dhabi, United Arab Emirates, up to Doha, Qatar, into Manama, Bahrain, into Kuwait City, Kuwait, over to Amman, Jordan, and into Palestine. And I remember saying, Jess, we have traveled 1,980 miles, and we didn't pass seven churches. You will pass more churches on the way to church than you will in the entire seven Gulf countries. More full-time mission workers in Chicago than the Middle East. And so that's why when you see it over and over again around here, you learn, man, they're not concerned with the seeding capacity as much as the sending capacity. And so, in a few months, you're going to have the opportunity to sign up for Mission Revolution. And I hope that you say, man, on behalf of the world, I will take that afternoon when it's announced. And I will give that afternoon to learning more about what God's doing in the world. Let me pray. Lord, the task remaining... It's so, it's so doable with the Christians that you've given life to and the blessings that you've given to them to pass on. And Lord, I pray that in this room there would be goers and there would be senders. That you would raise up goers and senders. That everybody, no matter their occupation or age, would see they have a part to play in the task remaining. We ask this in your name. Amen.